Was that the SVU? That was <laughs> the our, That was our theme song. Oh. John wants to get into the the CBD game. Yeah? Yeah. He's like, I'm going to be a weed farmer now. I mean, it's the next American gold rush. I've always wanted to get into it. Yeah. Plus, I don't like smoke weed, really, so. That's what John said, too. He was like, I want to be the Ted Danson of weed. <laughs> and I was like, what? Ted Danson? Yeah. I'm like, you mean Ted Turner? And he's like, no, Ted Danson, like his character in Cheers, how he was a recovering alcoholic, but he was owned a bar. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, I guess I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Huh. And I'm like, oh, his name was Sam. And he's like, no. <laughs> the big guy's name was Sam. And I was like, that's Norm, you dick. They said his name 12 <laughs> times in every episode. Uh, hey, welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. My name is Gabe. I'm Tasha. We are done with our intermission. I <gasps> refuse. I almost thought you were going to say it. <laughs> I was going to. I was like gearing up for it. I got like the mom quiver lip before you You were going to do it to be, be nice like, to me. And then <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so we have a website. Oh, shit, yeah. SVUpod, especially heinous.com. Follow us on Instagram at SVUpod and on Twitter at SVUpod. Join our Facebook group. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at SVUpod at gmail.com. So we are still in season one, busting into the second half, episode 12. Busting into the second half like it's a huge double door. (laughs) (laughs) Limitations. (laughs) The opening there at a comp stat. If anybody doesn't know what that is, the shortened version of it is basically it's just comparing statistics and holding law enforcement accountable in New York. It's the principal's office for cops. Cops. <laughs> yeah. And they have all of your report cards sitting in front of them. So if Cragen is Mr. Belding, all right, Commissioner Morris is Superintendent Chalmers because we don't know who the superintendent is <laughs> yeah. at Bayside. So we'll just borrow him from Simpsons. Yeah. Principal Belding is, uh, is like, oh my God, you're so yellow. Like you should go to the hospital. You're jaundicing out. <laughs> and Superintendent Chalmers is like, Skinner! <laughs> Cragen! <laughs> okay. The commissioner is giving Cragen a bunch of shit about a cold case that involves a break-in and a rape in 1995. The five-year statute of limitations is almost up. So when this serial rapist was active... Cragen worked in homicide at the time. It was considered a cold case, but the commissioner wants it addressed because the DNA backlog connected three addresses in the same week to the same DNA. Yeah. So yeah. that brings in like this DNA element to it right away. One of the victims, Miss Vicki Kraft, comes up to speak. She walked in and you knew she was a hard-ass, boss-ass bitch from the second she walked in. She's one of the survivors of one of those three rapes. She's there to give a victim impact statement. Mm-hmm. Or is that what they would call it at the CompStat meeting? I don't, I don't know. That's what they call it in court. But she recounts in detail the night a man broke into her apartment raped her and maced her and Craigan promises her that they'll make it their top priority. I feel like the commissioner the, the commissioner was right to give him shit. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like it's it's Craigan's job. You know what I mean? Even to if be he wasn't yeah. even if he wasn't homicide at the time, it's still his job. Right. The DNA was in a report that he didn't look at. Yeah. It's there. It's his job to do it. Like the victims don't give a shit about politics and where you were. So they're back at the precinct. 
Munch and Jeffries are going to take off to go talk to Jennifer Neal, one of the victims. And I'm like, move over, Cassidy. Munch is getting a qualified and intelligent badass. <laughs> like, finally giving Jeffries a little bit of airtime, you know? Yeah. And the other two victims are assigned to Benson and Stabler. And they have the rapist DNA, but they don't have him, the person, in the system. He is a white male in his 20s, now possibly in his 30s, because it's just about five years. Mm-hmm. And the description may no longer apply since the cases are almost five years cold. So they don't have a ton to go on. So then they're discussing how all of three of the rapes happened in a week and Jeffries is like, then he stopped and Cragen's like, maybe he started wearing a condom which is possible. They just didn't have any more matches to his DNA. So that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah, it doesn't mean he stopped Mm -hmm. for sure. Cragen thinks they might be able to stop the clock on the closing of the statute by filing an arrest warrant on the DNA. The DNA is John Doe 121. So then Cragen takes out the chalkboard, slaps on the three survivors four days three days one day for each case to reach the statute of limitation yeah. it's time to get to work everybody yeah so now that they're at the apartment of Lois Kareen yes and she doesn't really seem to know anything new. She's kind of just like, I just I told them already. I don't know. Descriptors for her: shrunken, quiet, defeated, insecure. Yeah, I would say I would agree with those. Yeah, they're back at the precinct. Cragen is trying to get who is this chick? She's Ariel from The Little Mermaid in a pantsuit. <laughs> That's... Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's Ariel. I'm just going to call her that because I don't even know her name. Me neither. And we've never seen her before, but all of a sudden- We were supposed to know who she was. She and Cragen are just hoofing it through the courthouse. Yeah. So he's trying to get Ariel to convince the judge to issue a warrant on a John Doe because they just have the DNA. Right. They keep referring to this as the Wisconsin maneuver, which was really interesting to me. And I don't know what it is, and I'm not looking it up. Hopefully it's the chaser. That's what I wrote. (laughs) And then I texted you. It is the chaser and I'll explain all of it. Okay, okay. And then he kind of threatens her in a way. He's like, think of it this way. And I know he's doing it out of desperation, but he's like, think of it this way. Every time you get into a cab, John Doe 121 might be the driver. And I'm like, thanks, Cragen. Yeah. Like, I didn't think every dude that I come into any kind of contact with isn't going to be my next fucking Dateline co-star. Yeah. Yeah, that little exchange was really weird. She looked really busy. Yeah. You know, and then he's just like, you're going to get raped. (laughs) And she's like, fine, I'll figure this out. So now they're at Eastern Health Services. Munch and Jeffries are talking to survivor number two, Jennifer Neal. She's a soft-spoken lady who says the rape was the worst thing ever, but the support she's received after restored her faith in humanity. She's the lady that if she approached me in like a public place and was like, you seem sad, I'd be like, I'm not going to join your cult. Yeah. Like that's how she comes off to me a little bit. I'm familiar with this woman. Mm -hmm. How? church. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) They revisit some statements she made that lined up with the other survivors, and she confirmed that he knew personal things about her, and she's like, he knew my dog's name, and he knew the restaurant where I sometimes ate breakfast. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. Oh, I hate her. Oh, I do. I mean, I do later. Oh, my God. So then, Cragen and Ariel, the lawyer, ambush a judge with a Ned Flanders mustache and the voice of Dan Aykroyd's character in Tommy Boy, Ray Zielinski. Yeah. I make car parts for the American working man because that's who I am and that's who I care about. 
they like snag him and they're like, sign this, sign this. They're like, the statute of limitations is almost up. It runs out tonight. Oh yeah, you've had five years. Can I have the rest of the day? Which made me happy a little bit because he was kind of like, you guys are the ones that haven't done your job. Yeah. You know? But on the other end of it, I'm like, oh my God, this fucking person who wants yeah. justice. But I I get it. Like that's the whole reason statutes exist to push things to get done and whatever. Yeah. Or supposedly. Mm, go. This is where, go. <laughs> this is where you started loving Victoria Craft. This is. Okay. Benson and Stabler go to Craft International Electronics. Ooh, Victoria Craft. Bitch is the owner of the company. Mm-hmm. So it turns out she is a hard ass, badass, take no shit boss lady. Yep. I was really studying her and I was like, if she was a cartoon animal, she would be a well-groomed show poodle, right? Oh yeah. Right? Man, you're like like a really, really strong pulling some good ones out. It was between the hair and like the posture and the way in which she spoke, I'm like, this is quite the show dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's not tickle up, Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> So um, she tells them about the night of the rape that some dude saw someone speed away on a bike. Because she hired a private detective. Mm-hmm. And she's like, here are the copies of everything. Because I had to do it because you guys weren't doing anything. I don't like anybody sassing Olivia, but she yeah. was, yeah. I'll allow it. I'll allow it, yeah. So Vicky tells them that the night of the rape, some dude saw someone speed away on a bike. I'll be Olivia and you be Victoria. Like, okay. We're going to want to talk to him. You should. <laughs> that's, that's, it. that's it but like her face and shit and there and then she's like yeah you dumb bitch you should like, yeah you should have done that five years ago yeah i'd and have an attitude too olivia's face she was like okay bye so benson and stabler then go to talk to the witness on the street who saw the guy on the bike and i loved this guy i rewatched his monologue a bunch and he's got to be from tony danza's neighborhood you go back and close your eyes and listen and it sounds like an episode of who's the boss <laughs> I bet this guy tells a hell of a story at a party. But he's like, I was standing out here smoking a butt, maybe midnight, 1 a.m. Then from the alley, this kid speeds out on a green bike, sees me, swerves, wham, he falls on the ground. I think maybe he's art. Go to see, he's got a cut on his elbow, but he just gets back up on his bike and he speeds away. Oh, God bless. He knows the bike down to every last detail because he worked in a bike shop for 28 years. Yeah. And he can't give details about the dude's clothes. He's like, I don't know, jumpsuit? Stabler's like, maybe uniform? And he's like, I don't know. It's been five years. Yeah. And then it's to the next scene because they're really pushing home that it's been a long time and they've it's been a long up. fucking time and they're trying to fuck with this cold case and it's harder. And they're only fucking with this cold case because the fucking commissioner. Oh, so the the green bike, he was wearing a motorcycle helmet, too. Yeah, and the guy was, like, making fun of him for it. He's like, he's wearing a motorcycle helmet on a bicycle. (laughs) Yeah, he was. He did. I want that guy to be a reoccurring character. (laughs) Like, I know you're not going to live in New York and run into the same guy over and over, but I wish that they could. Can you imagine talking to that guy for 10 minutes? Cloud nine. I would just... My face would hurt. I would just be, like, beaming. Tell me about sixth grade. (laughs) <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Me and Jimmy Two Shoes. We were running out to the playground racing to the swing set. <laughs> Jimmy Two Shoes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So they're at the Supreme Court. They're with that Flanders mustache. Flanders mustache judge. Who is the character? Ray Zielinski. <laughs> yeah. There was Judge Ray Lezinski. <laughs> what? <laughs> Ray Z- judge Ray Zielinski. <laughs> judge Ray Liz- Zielinski, not Lezinski. Did I say Lezinski? Mm, that sounds good. <laughs> what? The guy uh, in the last scene. It's like, my mom, she makes an amazing Lazinski. Yeah. <laughs> 
so they're at the Supreme Court. Yeah. And they're before. Oh, he, the, yeah, the judge, um, he decides against the warrant. And I get it, but I also am pissed about it. He explains the whole thing, yeah. why there's a statute of limitations, mm-hmm. how it's supposed to create pressure for the cops to solve a case. And it also is part of the rights of all of us, of all of us for our due process. So Miss Kraft, Miss Vicky Kraft walks out of the court. The judge asks if they are going to appeal. Ariel says yes. Yeah, and he's was like and good. Judge, yeah, he was like I already forwarded it to the appellate court. Like, hopefully this can get overturned and can do some good. Right, and I'm just like, why do laps on it to have it be brought back to another desk? And it just sounds like he's bureaucratic a, bullshit. It is, it is. But I also think this is the kind of judge that I would want on a Supreme Court that's going to just follow the law yeah. and not put his feelings into it, right? Or his politics or whatever. But it also was fucking stuck. It's stupid. It it's sucks. hard because you're you're obviously you're like fuck blah blah blah. Get the guy. Yeah. You know. But we can't say fuck blah 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 because it's the fucking law of the land and it sets precedent for the next thing. Yeah. That people use it for loopholes and stuff. There's only yeah. Yeah. Oh, Benson and Stabler run out to find Miss Craft in the hallway because she had run out of the courtroom. Yeah. They tell her it's like you didn't hear the rest of the ruling. It's gonna be okay. Vicky fucking snaps. Yeah. Back. Right. She tells them, she's like, I waited for five years for this and nothing is happening. I endured the rape kit. I told you guys all my personal information over and over and over, all while being told I would get justice and nothing has happened. And now I have less than a day. Yeah. Now after five years, people are scrambling. And then I wrote Miss Vicky Craft as a boss dude. Yeah. And then Cragen's like, and she gets up in his face and she's like, thank you for making this the second worst day of my entire life life i think you know what the first one was yeah it's, it's fair her reactions are fucking mm-hmm. over like beyond fair right she's a boss and they are fucking up uh that's precinct craig and hurriedly walks into frame with his hand in his pocket looking at his watch like a fucking total dad <laughs> much is talking about his feelings about statute of limitations oh fuck that he's saying that these laws protect everyone this is difficult it is it's complicated. So Vicki Kraft's statute expired, but she can still testify at the other trials that still have a couple of days before they expire. So hopefully the appeal goes through before the clock runs out. Now they have to go talk to the other detectives that were in SVU that were on the cases. Mm-hmm. And what does Munch say? He's like, oh, it's going to be like a high school reunion with all the people that used to be at these desks. Jeffries is at the 31st precinct in the robbery unit, and she's talking to one of the detectives originally in SVU on Miss Vicki Kraft's case in 1995. She she transferred to robberies. Vicki Kraft sued her and her partner for quote unquote derelict duties. Fair. I do need to say that this woman, this actress, I believed she was a cop. I know. She was great. The lawsuit was thrown out, but there was no suspects. The weird thing was, was like the building that Vicky lived in, you had to be buzzed in twice, once in the front door and then once at the elevator. Mm -hmm. And no one remembers letting anyone in. And then they told her there were like two more people were raped in less than a week. And she was like, oh, you hate to hear that. Yeah. She seemed to like care. But in a professional way. Yeah. Because they were like, did you have any suspects? She's like, we weren't even fucking close. Yeah. Like we didn't have any idea. With the fact that they had to buzz through twice, they got a tiny lead from it because she was like, it had to have been somebody that nobody would notice, somebody that would go under the radar, like a meter reader or a paper boy. Yeah. So we're like, okay, put that in our back pocket. Mm-hmm. So then Benson and Stabler are at a trucking company and they're following a super busy. I love this guy. Too busy to talk to two detectives about a rape case guy. The guy's handing out clipboards to truckers and he used to be a detective and he worked on Jennifer Neal's case, survivor number two. This lady. Yeah. He said she was a real nice lady and he said that the guy knew a bunch of stuff about her. What kind of car? 
she had and where she shopped and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like he'd been watching her. Like that's part of his thing. They asked him about his old partner, which was the lady from robbery that they had just been talking to, Ruiz. And mm-hmm. he said that she's really good and he really liked her and missed her and whatever. The other case was handled by Detective Dan Latimer. And he was a piece of shit. He was a garbage pile that was on fire when it went out and then... He was a dozen dumpster muffins. <laughs> yeah. I hated him. The worst. He said, this is the trucking company guy, former detective saying this. He said that Detective Dan Latimer claimed that most rapes were fantasy mm-hmm. and said that he's a retired cop and runs a cop bar out in Queens. He was like forced to retire. It was either he was going to get fired because of something like that or mm-hmm. he had to f- retire early. Yeah, because he was a shit cop. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the cop bar he runs is called 1013. Yeah. It's like where old timers go to like drink and bitch. They close out the scene by being like, hey, what made you get out of SVU? Yeah. And he's like, nobody sees what we see. He explained like some gruesome scene too. And I didn't even write it down because it was, he was, and I can't imagine you can only take so much like in that job. Yeah. I feel like this episode is balancing really well. Like, they need to be out getting justice because there are people waiting for it and that have been through so much that deserve it. Mm-hmm. But then also like the burnout and the agony of being a real life human having to see all of this stuff is also real. Yeah. Oh, the show is just so good. Yeah. Just a good ass show. Then they're at the 1013. Obviously this guy's an alcoholic because he's drinking a big glass of milk. Right away, I got an orange juice flashback because I'm like, (laughs) this guy is drinking a giant glass of white milk. So he's obviously a fucking monster because who does that? Yeah. But then you saying he's an alcoholic, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. To me, then it feels a little more like this guy is diving into his character better. So I kind of like like, him as an actor now. Just get a Diet Coke or something. Like, who drinks fucking milk? This shit is gross. What are you, five? (laughs) What are you, seven five year olds? poured all of their <laughs> servings into one glass. So he uh, he remembers the case. It was seven five-year-olds <laughs> standing on top of each other in a trench coat <laughs> trying to get into an R-rated movie. Are you that? <laughs> Olivia mentions she noticed that he didn't take many notes. He makes some excuse about not going, quote-unquote, all out on rape cases or you'll, you'll get burned out and that she'll learn, which obviously proves that we hate this guy. <laughs> yeah. He said it was a ONS a one night stand. Oh, uh, he says that that the girl was the bookworm type and she probably just regretted it. He said if she ever caught a man, she wouldn't know what to do with him. She has sex with him, feels bad and makes up a story about some mysterious man who knows all of these details. Oh, and Benson's just like doing breathing exercises the whole time and to Stabler's not jump over like, the table. Stabler's just anger quivering in his man panties or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see it. <laughs> But he keeps his cool. They both do. Yeah. Just so they can get the information they need. Stabler yeah. actually kind of is like he plays, plays into it yeah, just to, to get, get this to guy to, yeah. to be able to get the information out of it. Because if it was just Olivia, you know he'd be like, get out of here, broad. And get me some more milk. Stabler's playing up whatever role he has to yeah. to get information from this guy. And Benson's like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. And so Stabler's like, well, you know what, Dan? Her rapist DNA matched with two other rape victims and we're filing an arrest warrant on his DNA. And this dude legit says, so I made a mistake. Let me buy you a drink. Ugh. Olivia, like, she takes off. She's like, fuck this guy. Mm-hmm. And then Stabler is like, sexily staring him down yeah he just looks hot and pissed yeah okay so now we're at the appellate division court and i fucking hate this judge he's like using the slippery slope fallacy to downplay the appeals for the warrant um and it's really annoying 
So fuck him. But also these judges that are presenting this, they make sense on paper. And it's also the year 2000 where DNA seems like crazy new scientific technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. But it seems just as archaic as every other bullshit law that we drag our feet to change, though. Yeah. He doesn't want to set a precedent to be able to extend the statute because then it's like you have DNA to catch the perp, quote unquote, at our leisure. Yeah. And I hear that and I'm like, OMG, they should always do this if they have DNA evidence. Mm-hmm. Like they should always be like, okay, we're arresting the DNA. Boop. Yeah. And that because it doesn't change just because the time passes and you should be like DNA is the ultimate evidence. Jennifer, the the judge says the court understands what a danger to the community he can be, but that does not mean we can circumvent the law to apprehend. It's denied. If you guys didn't figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> the appeal is denied. So now they're at the ap- apartment of Lois Crean. She's talking about how she was 24 and like the worst thing that had happened to her was when Brandon Lee died. And she talks about the crow. Okay. I'm going to go off a little bit. Go ahead. Did you know I was going to do this? No, but okay. I'm, okay, so I'm here for it. I, I love the crow. I love the crow. I love Brandon Lee. Okay. So, so does this lady. For those of you who don't know, Brandon Lee was the son of Bruce Lee. For those of you who don't know Bruce Lee, he's a famous actor and like kung fu star. Watch the movie about his life, The Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. There's tons of conspiracy theories about how Bruce Lee died. You should look into it because he was a really big proponent of like teaching everybody kung fu and karate and stuff. At the time, a lot of like Asian cultures were like sort of against teaching non-Asian people that stuff. So he was shit on by like a lot of people for it, you know? So he like mysteriously died, Bruce Lee. His son Brandon Lee is in the movie The Crow. He dies during the filming of the movie when he gets shot. Somebody had replaced the bullet. What are they called? Bullets that are blanks with a real one in the movie and he got shot and killed so there's like they're wondering if like it's like part of the bruce lee stuff Mm. yeah anyways get into it it's really good anyways the rapist knew that she was into brandon lee and wanted to talk about the crow before he left he said you're a sweetheart lolly and that's a name only her grandma called her like how did he know that and then the detectives brought up the bicycle thing and she was like i knew it was him i saw him for months before he came into my room the man on the green bike yeah so they're like <gasps> green bike well the last detective that shitbag from the 1013 that likes milk so much mm-hmm. he had told her just to- loves him a glass loves of milk. milk he had told her to go talk to a shrink that was his advice to her yeah and so it made her think that she was going crazy yeah. So then they're at Millennial Investigations. This is the PI firm that Vicki Kraft hired to investigate her rape when she was not jazzed about the cops. Yeah. Um, and he sucks, but he says there was a bike messenger service that could be a lead. So then they're at the precinct. Everybody's sitting around in the precinct discussing why it could be a bike messenger. Jeffrey's found the old owner of Green Machine Bike Messenger Service, and he owns a laundromat. So then they go to clean machine (laughs) laundromat. I'm like, okay, dude. This guy's got to get a little more creative with the names of his businesses. He gives them a messy trunk full of records to sift through to try to figure out the delivery guy who had had that route. He also mentions one of his guys were injured. But then they don't say anything. And I'm like, ask about the injured guy. Remember? He scraped his elbow. Remember? Oh, yeah. Then they're at the precinct going through this whole trunk full of records. They found a lead with Magnitude Insurance Services. And there were four deliveries to Jennifer's building the week before her rape. So then Benson and Stabler are at Jennifer Neal's office. And she tells them she doesn't want to hear their questions. And everybody's like, what? And she's calm and elusive. She says she remembers the company but doesn't want it to answer any questions and they're like don't you want to fucking fi-? like we're getting there like 
help us figure this out. And she just goes, in five years, a lot of things can change. Oh, God. You're creeping. You're good at that. (laughs) (laughs) And she doesn't want to pursue it. And they keep pushing her. And Stabler's like, the guy is still a danger to others. And she's like, what if he's not, Gabe? (laughs) 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 Olivia's face changes so subtly. And then in my notes, I put, God, Mariska, you are such a good actor. (laughs) She is. She's so beautiful. And she goes, you know who he is. Yes, she does. They met by accident. Mm-hmm. He didn't recognize her, but she did. When she was satisfied that he had changed, she told him who she was. Because she talked to him for a while. Yeah. And then revealed who she was. Yeah. I guess he wanted to turn himself in, and she talked him out of it. They fucking prayed together. Ugh. The vein in Stabler's forehead <laughs> know. is working fucking overtime yeah. to keep his voice calm and measured. But he's... Pretty much just like, lady, this guy isn't changed. You praying with him doesn't mean shit. Yeah, he's like, I don't know what he told you, but these dudes don't change. Right. He's still a danger, and she disagrees. Oh, my God. So then they're in the precinct. Of course, they have her in interrogation. Her religion is she's a member of the Society of Friends, a.k.a. the fucking quack Quaker. <laughs> I wrote quackers. quackers. Same thing. Same thing. She's a Quaker. It means she's a pacifist who believes in doing nothing. Yeah. Which is not a judgment. Not a judgment. You can have that. But also, like, again, here's one of those things that it's it dances on a line of there are two other women who want justice and you are holding it over their heads. That's fucked. Yeah. They're getting into a lot of difficult things. This is how you do an episode with a lot of elements, Jeremy. He wants to be on vacation right now. <laughs> he went on a Disney cruise the week they wrote this. <laughs> of course he fucking did. That little puke. <laughs> he is a cruise kind of guy. I love. You know he is. I love a cruise. I'm going to sign up for snorkeling. Yeah, I bet, I bet you are. I bet you are. <laughs> so love your enemy is in the Bible. And this bitch is being super selfish by not considering the other victims. Yeah. So, and Olivia reminds her that the Quakers actually invented like the penal system. Yeah. Olivia's putting in fucking work to yeah. get through to this lady. And so finally she just convinces her to sit down with the two other victims. Yeah. So cut to all three women and Benson and Stabler in a conference room at the precinct. Badass and legend Vicky is grilling the shit out of Jennifer. I like nobody. She- nobody's there to check anybody except for fucking Vicky. Yeah, she literally just like walks in like she's a detective and hands them water, <laughs> like bottles of water. <laughs> I was like, oh, they hired her. Okay, and um, she's like, girl, this is the shit that happened to me, and I got no justice. Fuck you. Yeah. Also, side note: there are a lot of calm and measured acting choices in this episode and it's rattling my anxiety (laughs) i need somebody to fucking explode or i'm going to this is what i put in my notes right at the beginning of the scene oh my god i know it happened for you (laughs) it happened for all of us this episode gave me everything i wanted yeah vicky tells jennifer that she She's like, you're doing this because you like having the power of life or death over this man. This is your version of revenge. The camera keeps cutting to Lois, who's shaking like a wet chihuahua. In the yeah, she, she, yes. Vicky then brings in the big guns and comes for Jennifer's work. Vicky's like, I employ 600 people that are insured by your company. And she threatens to leave them because Jennifer fucking sucks. Because she's like, I don't want to do business. With the betrayer of women, she said. Yeah. Yeah. And Jennifer's like, Lois's face. <laughs> it cuts to Lois's face, and she has, like, all I can describe it as is when they do a close up of a 70s, like, horror movie lady face where her eyes are open, and she's like, <laughs> you know, she loses it. 
As soon as I think that Vicky is the Meryl Streep of this episode, Lois gives it to us. <laughs> yeah. She basically says, do you have any idea what it feels like to not be able to leave the house and thinking every man on the street can be him? And then she just screams, tell me his name, you stupid bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Stabler comes in. He's like, all right. She's just exploded. Her insides are everywhere. And that fucking bitch, she says, Lois, I hope you find peace. And Lois says, well, we're all thinking and just screams, shut up, you freak. Shut up. <laughs> yes. Craigan's office. Craigan is looking at his clock. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to get this solved before the statute runs out. Dan Florick goes, this episode is about time and pressure. A lot of watch work happening this episode. <laughs> He's giving himself a pep talk in his trailer. Yeah, so it's 15 hours left and Craigan is getting wild. Benson and Stabler are like, she's not going to talk. And Craigan's like, fuck that. She's a victim, but he also the only witness to a felony rape. So he wants to get a judge to get a material witness order. So they're conflicted because they've never forced a victim to talk that doesn't want to. But they're talking about the Fifth Amendment, and Olivia goes, that's only against self-incrimination. Yeah. So they need to just come for her. Like, it's like, you don't want to come for... A victim. You want... Yeah. Mm -hmm. But but they uh, need to compel her to talk. Yeah. And they've never done it before. And Craigan's like, you want this guy to walk? And I'm like, on the nose, foreshadowing wordplay. <laughs> I like it, writer's oh. room. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> oh! I got it. But I'm like, okay, writer's room. Like, again. Thank God Jeremy's on that cruise. Oh. Okay, so they're at the Supreme Court. Miss Neal approaches the bench. She, like, will not tell the name. Mm -hmm. The judge will put her in civil jail if she won't cooperate. She won't say. So she's in con contempt of court. Right. She's taken away. She says to Olivia, I'm just trying to do what's right, and so are you. We just happen to disagree. They just sent a rape victim to lock up. Olivia's not happy about it. Yeah. yeah. Commish Morris stomps into Cragen's office in his Sunday best. To chew out Cragen for putting a rape victim in lockup. Mm -hmm. And Cragen calls him on politicizing all of it. He knows the commissioner only cares yeah. about how he looks to the mayor and the board, and he reams him. And the commissioner's like, you're getting dangerously close to insubordination. And Cragen's like, then write me up or get the hell out of my station house. Because until you take this job away from me, I've got a job to do. If we don't find John Doe 121 by midnight tonight, we never will. And I'm like, yes, dad. <laughs> <laughs> he yells at him for waiting till Comstat to tell him about the DNA matchup. He's like, why yeah. did you wait till then? And he was like, it was in the published circular. And it was, though. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it was. It's still Cragen. He's still fucked up, you know? Cragen tells him he robbed him of three days he could have found the rapist. Cragen's wrong. Like, he should have been checking the published circular. Yeah. Staying up to date and all, the, all that shit is part of his job, you know? He's so busy. He's a New York I, doesn't matter. captain. It doesn't matter. I this know. is. Let me look at the rape backlogs shit. Like, it's just. <sighs> I'm just here to defend Cragen. <laughs> at what cost? <laughs> Any yeah. So they're at the 71st Street Meeting House, which is basically like Quaker Church. Benson and Stabler are talking to a Quaker counselor who worked with Jennifer. I don't want to sound disrespectful. I don't know if it's like a Quaker Church, but it's like where they have their meetings that they, they call them. It's a fucking church. Well, what I just don't want it's to be. It's a gathering place for Quakers. There you go. So Benson and Stabler are talking to a Quaker counselor who worked with Jennifer. His name is Mr. Garrett. He says that he would never tell her not to cooperate and that the Quakers don't interfere with things like that. Yeah, he said he tried to persuade her a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like, there are Quaker judges, Quaker lawyers. Nixon was a Quaker. Stabler goes, he put plenty of people in prison. Some were even guilty. Yeah. And I'm like, boom. 
Comedy. Mr. Garrett refuses to help, so they go get a warrant for the members list. Yeah. And since Jennifer prayed with the attacker, they think he may be a member of the meeting. Yeah, and the church is considered a sanctuary, so he's like not gonna give him, he like can't kind of. So then they go back in with this warrant, and it's just chock full of white people calmly and bizarrely sitting <laughs> around staring at them. Yeah. It felt very Waco. Yeah, it did. And they're like, oh, hey, what's up? And Olivia goes to the office. That, it's just like, excuse me, dude. Just, just, me, I'm just gonna squeeze me. by you real here. Yeah, watch, your, watch your knees. <laughs> and then they go into this office filled with people, but everybody's just sitting there staring at them. They're like, please don't do this. As this violin kind of just um, amplifies. And then she goes up to this old white lady librarian type in a pink cardigan and a pussy bow gripping a Rolodex. Like, yeah, clutching it. Like, <laughs> please don't. And Olivia's Wait. like, just kind of reaches over and plucks it out of her cold, dead hands. And then like slowly walks backwards. Up. Precinct. All detectives on deck. Fucking crunch time. So they're trying to match delivery drivers to church members. Harvey Dennis 1N. Harvey Dennis 2Ns. Match. He's in the system for attempted burglary, which we've learned before that that usually happens when it's a rape attempt. Mm-hmm. Because it's just them breaking in, right? Is this burglary attempt? So they're like, oh my God, it was his fourth rape attempt. He was in prison for 15 months, but then he was hospitalized for forcible sexual injury during incarceration. Boom. So then he was paroled as a result. So So, they got his address. Yeah. So Benson and Stapler go into a hotel, I think. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah. Yeah. But people were like playing cards and stuff. So maybe it was like a halfway house. Oh. It could have been. I don't know. Uh, He works there. What do they say to him? They say like, stand up and put your hands up. Yeah. And then. He's like, wait, I have to buzz you in. And they like pull their guns at him. Yeah. And they go inside and he's in a wheelchair. They're really milking this. Yeah. That's a callback. Yeah. (laughs) He says, you got me. He said he was injured in a bike incident and crushed his spine. Okay. So remember how the owner was like, yeah, we went bankrupt because I didn't have the insurance and one of my bikers got hurt. Yeah. That was him. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I was like, oh, not the elbow thing. I know, not the elbow thing, but that, but then that should have prompted them to ask, right? It should have prompted them to ask, like, who was that? Oh, yeah. And so Staler's reading him his Miranda rights as he lifts Harvey out of the wheelchair to put him in the back seat and Benson's putting his wheelchair in the trunk and Olivia's got this look on her face that's like, should we be doing this i'm conflicted and i'm like i'm not yeah, he, he raped was, three women he yeah. at least three yeah he tried to do four fuck him well this episode was nuts yeah there's there was a, a, there's lot. a lot going on yeah i feel a little off just because we haven't done an episode in a little while me too i so. feel like i have to relearn how to read or something <laughs> it's like really weird i'm like <laughs> like the whole time all right so i have a chaser oh do ya i do <laughs> oh my god i do Believe it or not, I do. <laughs> I'm excited to hear about this Wisconsin thing. Because they mentioned it like 17. Like, oh, the Wisconsin. It's mentioned three times in the episode. I'm like, I get it. This is the chaser I'm going to do. I hate the way every single person said it. Said Wisconsin. Oh, really? People are like, Wisconsin. Okay, so they mentioned it a bunch of times. The Wisconsin John Doe arrest warrant. So there's a few elements of this whole thing to discuss. The first being statute of limitations. So as they said in the episode, basically the statute of limitations protects an individual's ability to defend against criminal charges because over time memories fade, evidence is misplaced, uh, witnesses are harder to locate. Also statutes of limitations encourage the police to move on to more current cases. 
Yeah, so I looked into present day and what the statute of limitations are currently right now. They can vary because rape has varying degrees. There are 29 states in our country that do not have a limit. There's no statute of limitations on rape. Is Does that mean that like the case can be open forever? Like murder? Yep. Okay. Yeah, tell me the states. <laughs> so there are 29 states that have no statute of limitations. It's going to be really hard for me to not sing that song that we learned in sixth grade. Remember? the Of the 50 nifty United States. Mm-mm. Alabama, Alaska, Alaska Arizona, Arizona, Arkansas. Yeah. Nope, they have it. Ready? They, okay. I'll do it. Okay. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Delaware, <laughs> Idaho, <No>. Indiana, <laughs> Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, Nebraska, Nevada, <laughs> New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, North Carolina, Oklahoma. <laughs> Rhode Island, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, Virginia, West Virginia, Wisconsin, Wyoming. All of those states have no statute of limitations. Why don't you just tell people to Google the states that? Well, because these other states are bullshit and I kind of want to talk about it. Talk about it. Pennsylvania has a 12-year statute of limitations. For rape? Yes. This is all, all, the, all these statutes are for rape. Georgia, Massachusetts, and Washington, D.C. have 15-year statutes. Wisconsin is a five, it's five years, right? Wisconsin has no limit. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is present day. So the story I'm going to tell you is one where Wisconsin still had a six-year limit. Ohio has a 20-year statute of limitations on rape. California, Colorado, Illinois, Iowa, Montana, Texas, and Washington all have 10-year statutes. Maine has an eight-year statute. North Dakota has a seven-year statute. Oregon, Vermont, Arkansas, New Hampshire, and Hawaii all have six-year statutes of limitation. Connecticut has a five-year statute. Florida has a four-year statute. Sorry, Minnesota, three years. Mm -hmm. So initially, a warrant requirement is that the warrant must state the name of the person to be arrested. So a John Doe warrant requirement would be then if the name of the person to be arrested was not known, then the warrant could, quote, designate the person to be arrested by any description by which the person to be arrested can be identified with reasonable certainty. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So with that, it seems reasonable that a person's genetic code would be considered a pretty solid identifier. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So all that in mind, this is the story of John Doe number 12. This dickhole's case is the one that they keep referencing in the episode. Okay. In the early morning hours of December 7th, 1994, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 15-year-old Dewana F., I don't know if that's just her abbreviation for her last name or if they changed her name completely, but she was a minor, so Dewana was waiting for the bus. A man approached... Sorry. <laughs> and stood next to her reading the paper also for the bus. He got on the bus and he went to work. No. Just, oh, I was like, oh, good. No. I believed you for a second. A man approached and took her at gunpoint to a nearby lot. In the Wait, lot, so he wasn't reading the paper at all? The paper is fake. The paper was fake. You, your face is getting so good at lying to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> a man approached and took her at gunpoint to a nearby lot. In the lot, the man tied her hands behind her back, no. covered her eyes, and forced her into a car. No. This isn't, this isn't a good story. She's alive? He didn't drive very far oh, before he pulled over. 
he forcibly touched her and made her perform fellatio on him. <gasps> yeah. Oh, um, she was 15? Yep. Waiting for the bus? This is icky. Okay. What, wait, what time was this in the morning? Like super duper early, early morning. Like she, I assume she was probably going, to, going to, school. to school. Yeah. Oh. He told her he wouldn't kill her if she did that good. So he did that routine once again, drove around a bit, pulled over, groped her, and made her give him fellatio again. Mm-hmm. And then he let her go. But he's dumb and she's smart. Because Dewana immediately found her mom, and they went to the police where she was given a rape kit, and semen was found mixed with her saliva. Oh, God. Oh, God, I fucking hate men. I just hate them all. A DNA profile was then developed, but a suspect wasn't able to be found. And at the time, the statute of limitations for rape in Wisconsin was six years. So that was on December 7th, 1994. Okay. Fast forward to December 4th, 2000. Three days before the statute ran out, the state charged John Doe number 12 with kidnapping and four counts of first-degree sexual assault. So that just gave them a little more time. Now, here's the thing. Some of this was kind of confusing, but part of the rule with that is that it's not like an endless amount of time then that they get to find this guy. It just resets the clock for 12 months. Oh. That's that's what I read. In the episode, remember how, what was he saying that you can just go and arrest people at will or whatever? At your leisure. At your leisure, yeah. So that's not actually the case. Right. Also, this episode was in 99, right? 2000. Oh, that's so weird because like this actual case was like three in the year 2000. It was three days before. So when they made the episode, they probably didn't actually even know what the outcome of it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait. OK. So on February 27th, 2001, a DNA match was found and 38 year old Bobby Richard Dabney Jr. became identified as John Doe number 12. Mm. Bobby Richard Dabney is a joke name, right? Bob I, Dick Dabney. Yeah. Bo, Bo Dicky Dabney. <laughs> Bo Dicky Dabney. <laughs> Bobby Dicky Dabney. Bo, Bo, Bo Diddley. Rob Dan Dicky. Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. Uh, you go on. I want to emphasize what a big deal this was. So the statue was up in three days. They used science in their favor, and he was caught three months later, where it would have otherwise been impossible to charge him for this fucked up awful crime. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many people he did that to. I know. Yeah. Well, there's more came out of it for him. Oh, okay. So this guy's such a fucking asshat. He's tried every clerical loophole that he could get a hold of. His lawyer moved to dismiss the charges. His lawyer argued that his rights to due process were violated because of the delay in arresting him and the original complaint and arrest warrant were not strong enough because they were based solely on his DNA. I'm shaking my head. Mm. I, I don't know how to respond to that. Yeah. Based solely on his DNA, based solely on the thing that it's like one in based solely what is on it? You. What is it? Like one in something trillion sex billion number that I yeah. isn't even a real number. So Milwaukee County Circuit Court Judge Jeffrey A. Wagner denied that shit. By the time of the trial, Dewana was a twenty two year old college senior by the time she was able to sit in court with that piece of shit. Mm-hmm. So she said to Judge Wagner, This has been a long time coming. A long time ago, I forgave this man for what he did to me, but I asked the court to show him no mercy. That's fucking how you do it. So he was convicted and sentenced to three consecutive 40-year prison terms. Whoa. 120 years. That's weird. They never do that. Wow. But it wasn't over because after he was formally charged with the 1994 rape, his pasky DNA linked him to another attack Uh uh, that was yet to be solved. So the woman in that case sat in on that trial. 
so then I was like, Alana, look what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. You know anything? Yeah. And I was like, could you find like one other thing? And pretty soon she sent me a bunch of stuff. And yeah. I was like, Alana, stop doing things for me now. And she's like, I just got curious. <laughs> but so Alana did some digging and found that prior to this, he was charged with burglary and second degree sexual assault in 1986. Wait, is that why his he got 120 years? Because he had a prior record? So like, cause it's, I don't know, because he was weird. out of prison then. So it's just weird that they um that he got so much time. Yeah, because people are always mad about like how little time rapists get in pedophiles and stuff. Well, Milwaukee County Circuit Court Judge Jeffrey A. Wagner don't have time for that shit. Good. So then a year after he was charged with burglary and second degree assault in 86, he was charged with first degree sexual assault. This was the precedent because there were a slew of things that came after this, in Virginia and in California and in Wisconsin again, Assistant District Attorney Norman Gunn, who prosecuted Dabney, then amended another previously issued John Doe genetic warrant and was able to charge John C. Wise, who was 24, with a 1995 rape. Wise was already in prison on a 15-year term for a 1995 shooting. This case was highlighted because it was able to open up just one more thing that DNA is able to do for protecting victims. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's what they were talking about in this episode. So this dude's, he's not getting out, right? He's like done. He's in there. He's, yeah. How old is he? How old was he? Well, so they say 38 year old in one of these articles. I think they were talking about he was 38 in February 27th, 2001. He was 38. So he would be 60. Wait, 68. Wait, what year is it? He's dead. <laughs> Good. He could be. But yeah, this guy, he's another one that's just sitting there appealing his fucking ass off, continuing to say that he got a shit shake and he didn't have a fair trial because this DNA stuff is whatever. He's probably a fucking flat earther too. Yeah, <laughs> probably. So that's that. Next week, we are on to... Episode 13, right? Episode 13, entitled... The daughter of a socialite may be responsible for the gunshot death of an alleged sexual predator. So somebody took the law into their own hands. And we're going to talk about it. <laughs> Our email is svupod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram under svupod, on Facebook under svupod. Um, we have a website, www.svupodespeciallyheinous.com. Have you listened to, God, what is it called? It's called Comedy Bang Bang now, but it was Comedy Death Ray. And fuck, what is his name? He's a stand-up and he would do, James Adomian. And he would do conspiracy theory, Jesse Ventura. Mm. And he'd be like, go to my website, (laughs) (laughs) www. I can't hear three W's without hearing that. (laughs) www. Well, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. I'm going to do this. Do I look like a thumb? (laughs) Do you feel like a thumb? Yeah. (laughs) Like in... Like who doesn't love Tom Hanks or Ted Danson? If you don't love Tom Hanks and Ted Danson, get the fuck out of America. (laughs) Just kidding. We're not allowed to go anywhere. (laughs) No one wants us. Thanks, Obama. (laughs) 